0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Morality of Everyday Things. Sorry it's been a little while. We've had a bit of a hectic uh, month over at, you know, a day jobs.
1: Mm. Relevantly, it was Earth Day recently. Uh, I say relevantly because
0: this
1: whole episode is going to be about climate change. Well, it's going to pertain to climate change.
0: Jacob, what is this week's question? Is it wrong to have children in an era of climate change? Mm. Interesting one. God, I wish I'd read the notes. <laughs> well, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, uh, we do run a carbon offsetting and tree planting website. Uh, platform called treepoints.green. that's obviously kept us really busy in the build up to Earth Day we had a bunch of great launches um, I'm actually for those watching the video I'm wearing one of our partners their clothing brands, altered clothing shout out. solid shout out and uh, put a bunch of integrations live it's just been a crazy busy month and then also uh, the other thing we do Spasher has been picking up if you are a regular listener, listener let us know your love will make us post more regularly <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a dog that just needs to be petted to know that it, that you care we, we um, crave that validation it's what do. it's all about and please leave reviews and for anyone who's new the morality of everyday things is a podcast where we discuss everyday morality uh, jake and i long-time friends studied together at oxford university technically only i studied philosophy but jake's okay you know, He knows, <laughs> you know a, a, of a module months. in ethics yeah. once and, and even then i did pretty I, you know, I mostly focused on the politics and economics but you know whatever i can we we can let that slide jake set us up for today's question all right all right so
1: question was is it wrong to have children in an era of climate change and what we like to do normally is break down definitions i thought before we get into that it's a provocative question and do you have any thoughts just up front i'm happy to share my views but before before like digging into this and
0: like take this as if i just asked you fresh yeah it was just like you're not allowed to say anything it's yes or no yeah uh i feel like my answer is no okay why in, no it is not wrong surface why what's high level i feel like as soon as you say this my first thought is antinatalist arguments which i just kind of don't vibe with Vibe mm-hmm. as with the many things like the real answer is a bit more nuanced i think i think it's a legitimate consideration and to be fair even the antinatalist argument we'll discuss like there are there are times when it's not irrelevant but i mean my, my overall thing is like you know if, if should you be agonizing over having one or two children uh which you know for a lot of people is, is, is you know, probably one of the most fulfilling things they can do with their life. It's a major, major life decision. Yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, like literally evolutionary in an evolutionary perspective, like the thing that we are programmed to want to do. (laughs) You know, I I don't think that you necessarily have to give up one of the most important things in your life. I, I think the truth is that tackling climate change in an effective way is a large process that involves making sure that we can do that without making life unlivable. I mean, like, you know, you could make the argument that, hey, we should kill everyone and that will solve climate change. But that's, you know, that's obviously like the point of the problem is that we want to find acceptable ways of dealing with it, not ridiculously extreme ways that are perhaps even worse than the... Other uh... then again, it is, you know, should it, should it be a consideration? Not should it, you know, should there be a rule that you will be banned from having children? And what you just said is, I think like that's the first
1: thing I thought of when I was looking into this question is I feel like it unravels logically. Like... If the reason you not to struggles kids, with that, then what's that? You probably struggled with that. <laughs> if the reason not I'm to an have kids, idiot. Oh, mate, come on, not in front of all my friends.
0: <laughs> if
1: if the reason not to have kids is to prevent climate change from getting worse because climate change is going to kill us all, then not having kids <laughs> <it's> <laughs> can't, can't
0: kill, us. kill us if we don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: has a flavour of that. Yeah, I feel I mean, like it I doesn't well, stand up to Kant's point as well. Like I, you, you couldn't make it. A universal rule: you you wouldn't wish for it to be a maxim, unless to be fair, unless you're a hardcore anti-natalist and we Well,
0: we'll but, I back. mean, you could have a thing like you shouldn't have children unless the earth can sustain them. That's a universal. That's, that's universal a thing you can make a maxim. And yeah. also, who cares if Kant doesn't like it? That doesn't mean it's not right. Um, they... <laughs> I've listened to too many. Really, i listened to a bunch of philosophy podcasts recently, and there are all these PhDs. I think the funniest thing is when you turn morality from like a practical thing that people discuss mm-hmm. to to like this thing that supposedly someone can be an expert in, as if it's as if there's some sort of like deep level of, of objectivity that they have simply studied more. Mm. Oh, I don't know.
1: It's like professional ethicists. What do they do? It, yeah, when it's like, when,
0: yeah, when the government's like, have called in these professional bioethicists. It's okay, bioethicists will solve the, uh, you yeah. know, the CRISPR debates. It's like, really? like How's that going to help? Oh, thank God. Somebody's talked about it a lot.
1: <laughs> Arlene, and I mean, part of the reason we like to do this is because I think... Morality is its most interesting when it's questions that pertain to our everyday lives. And obviously, this is a big one. Having the decision to have kids is a major decision yeah. that people uh, may it, choose. It sounds very
0: fairy but I've had a couple of mates genuinely... I mean, one guy, I think, was talking nonsense, but I know him. I was like, yeah, sure, mate. So I, I've had mates genuinely talk about, like, you know, on the extreme side, oh, maybe I shouldn't have kids, to, oh, maybe I'll adopt. Mm-hmm. And then the kind of, the, you know, the one that's most... I think most feasible will come to this is like, I think I might have fewer kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm also thinking like, you're saying because it's because it's of climate change, but I know it's because millennials actually don't have money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm the same. I know of people who are yeah, at that stage in life and talking about climate change. Like, it's because Jake's two, old. climate change in that How old are you? Uh,
0: 27. 37. <laughs> uh, okay. That was the sound of Jake Balding. <laughs>
1: let's crack right on into what we normally do at the beginning, which is break down the question into definitions. Not a hell of a lot to define here. I think it's actually fairly straightforward. Everyone knows what kids are. <laughs> <laughs> and um, climate change, I think, again, we, we won't get too much into what it is. I take it fairly for granted that people are familiar with it. We, can, we yeah. can go into some of the effects and why it's relevant to this question.
0: Yeah, we'll just, well, I mean, we'll take it that it's, you know, man-made climate change. And that, um, yes. you know, that it will have catastrophic effects within, you know, uh, unfettered, it will have catastrophic effects within actually a reasonable horizon. Catastrophic, I mean, to be fair, I think one thing that's not very clear that people talk about is this whole two-degree thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not that if we hit two degrees, everyone dies, right? It's not like... <laughs>
1: Immediately. Just yeah, it's, like, it's not just like, like a right? <laughs> if
0: we hit the two, it's not going to be like just at the peak of like a then drop, like more likely it's going to be continuing and mm. you know, certain factors like extreme weather, desertification, like the flooding of coastal cities will get worse and worse. But one thing I do debate is this kind of equating climate change with, you know, the death of, of the entirety of humanity or even the death of the planet. Like I think as... What's his name? Attenborough, Attenborough correctly put, like, actually, the planet, will, the planet will be just fine. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, the planet's lived through ice ages; it's lived through like all sorts yeah. of ridiculous. Hardier things. than
0: than some stupid people who've only been around for tens of thousands of years. It's been around for billions. Yeah, yeah. there's that the theory. Part of space.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's that theory, and I can't remember if it's called Gaia theory or, or something like that. But he basically posits that the Earth is a living organism, and humans are kind of like microbes on its surface, and. Effectively, yeah, it's, it's that sort of metaphor that humanity has made the Earth sick, and then the Earth will sort of eventually expel is us.
0: Metaphorical and, and semantics, or I mean, how many shrooms tru- were you true. on? Yeah. <laughs> 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 the the world, trip. man, is just all connected.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are literally all one. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much that's just metaphorical. I think there are people who literally believe the Earth is alive. Yeah. Anyway, by the by let's jump into the next phase why let's well let's give this question some structure what's it asking why would it be wrong to have kids mm-hmm. i think there are two reasons then this is how we'll break down the answer the first reason why it'd be wrong to have kids in the era of climate change mm-hmm. is because it would be cruel to bring children into what we've essentially yeah. defined as a doomed world
0: so that's that's something that we'll dig into deeper because outside of climate change that has a rich philosophical mm-hmm. history so the the main the main thing is that you would be doing a disservice to the child yeah. in that context, right? It would be doing them harm. Yeah, uh, and I guess you could find analogies of like, yeah, you know, in the in the widest sense, you know, having a child when you're not prepared to to handle the child. Um, yeah, you know, I I suppose it's part of the reason why people you know don't want irresponsible young people having children or take issue with that, uh, despite the fact that they may acknowledge their right to do that, or you know, people who say for example, a drug addict or, or in some position where their ability to raise a child effectively is compromised. Sure. Um, okay. So that's, again, this is tying it specifically to the climate change question though. So it's, you would be dooming these child children to a world that'd be difficult because of climate change. Because it would be a bit hot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> again, I actually think that that's relatively weak because like I said, it's taking a little bit too much, like the climate change, climate change is super significant, but again, it's taking it more like a two degrees and suddenly it like ninety percent of people die and the other ten percent live in like a mad max style wasteland. <laughs> you're referring you refer to a mad max style wasteland really often, I've noticed. Yeah. That's like, a a great analogy or yeah. like metaphor or whatever. Um,
1: but but still, you're right. That's,
0: that's that's the essence of the first
1: argument. It would be cruel to children. The second argument is sort of I don't know, it's consequentialist. It sort of flips the issue on its head. It's saying the reason it would be wrong to have children is because having children contributes to the issue of climate change itself. Mm-hmm. So actually so I, really exacerbating
0: the problem. Yeah. So if you think about your footprint, uh, you could think of your footprint as what you are responsible for and what your dependents are for. Mm-hmm. So for example, you know a lot of people will say that they take responsibility for their pet, right? Mm-hmm. And again, like the other one, it's so not one that we considered in the pet argument, but that could be an argument against pets. Like it's, it's unnecessarily increasing your footprint by 30-ish percent or whatever it is that pets are. So the argument is basically... More people means more consumption, more consumption means more emissions, and more emissions means climate change gets worse faster.
1: Exactly that. And I suppose you can think about it in terms of harm, as the first argument is you're bringing harm to your future children. The second argument is you're
0: causing harm to society. Yeah, you're you're causing public harm. Um, Very distinct, though, because the first one is basically antinatalism. Yes. um, And the second one is more of a... um, what was the term Pro- problem of the tragedy of the commons? Yeah, it kind of is yeah. a tragedy of the commons. I mean, yeah. Everyone, everyone want, you know, probably wants to have children, but you know, there's not enough resource for everyone to have as many children as they want necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can argue whether that's uh, like actually correct or not. We'll refer to Malthus, I'm sure, for anyone who doesn't know uh dope dope little economist from 1800s i think something like that yeah yeah i mean he was wrong as hell but i mean (laughs) but you know what like credit to him it was still a cool theory that has some learnings and just just it's 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 bad induction to say that because he was wrong once i heard someone else say this in a similar podcast i don't want to copy other people's things forget about them but yeah just because he was wrong at that time doesn't mean it's never it never pertains to the truth. There's some
1: underlying sort of wisdom in the principle, right? And I wisdom. think the fact that he, I don't know, the fact his ideas live on so long after his time. Yes, so no, 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 no. Right. I mean, it
0: has it has a fair point. And we'll
1: come to this. So you've got the structure. We'll look at those two arguments one after the other. Let's go into the first one, the cruelty to children argument. And I think probably a fair place to start is why do people have children? And is there a moral basis for it? Is it, a right that people Ooh, wow. have now what? technically technically it is technically it's recognized as a human right it's actually
0: article 12 the right to marry and Man. start a family what the un says is a human right and what are like objective human rights are not necessarily synonymous okay this is true we shouldn't take this as the basis of morality yeah but it's the interesting UN says weapons, though, so it is <laughs> uh but no i acknowledge your point they say it is um i mean there are some there are some obvious caveats to that i mean the The right to procreate and have a, or it says to marry and start a family. To marry and start a family. Um, Ooh, that's open to a lot of interpretation. But I mean, my immediate impression is, what if people who have the physical impediment that stops them having their own children, why do we make it so much harder for them to start a family than we do say, you know, I mean, again, I'm using extremes. I'm not characterizing this as typical, but like you can have two 16-year-olds who are addicted to heroin. Mm -hmm. They can have babies, as many as they want. Like, they have that, the right to do that. And yet, when we think about a gay couple, homosexual couples, it's so much harder. So, you know, okay, whatever. They say Article 12, the right for people to marry a sort family. I don't think that that's actually re- reflected. I think a lot of it is down to circumstance of what people can actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, you also touched on why. Why do you think people are, I mean, how can you answer that beyond, like, an innate? drive like really? it's interesting
1: because it is obviously an innate drive the drive to procreate is kind of programmed mm. to use the word you used it's programmed into our genes i mean yeah. Dawkins is selfish gene was basically positing that we are just like biological code and, and we're just trying to propagate our code yeah and as long as we fulfill that by having babies we're <laughs> we're on track and and um and the genes are the we have anything deeper to the there I don't know. Well, well, yeah i think so because i think actually uh, one of the features of human evolution is that we're less subject to our basic urges, you know, we develop capacity for reason, we develop capacity for morality. And it's telling that as societies become more developed, quote unquote, birth rates and population growth decline. And there's a few factors there, I think. I think one thing is it's a result of medical advances. Mm-hmm. There's less risk of for mortality. And that's just a practical thing. You need yeah. to have fewer kids. Changes in cost of living are possibly a factor too. But I also think part of the reason people have kids and the reason people adopt is because it's not really just about passing on your genes. It's, it's about... The having experience and joy
0: of having a family and raising a child. My question to you is mm-hmm. you said birth rates drop, right? Yeah. But w- that, remember, birth rates is like average number of children for average number of adults. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's definitely true that birth rates drop, you know, as in families have fewer kids. And that's mm-hmm. because of infant mortality, as you said, so, you know, many will say, um, and, and also more control. Um, but Thetic to the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, control to contraception. My, 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 I wonder to what extent. To what extent might it be the case that maybe more developed countries see the rate of people starting families higher, but the average number of children per family is significantly lower? Uh, to be fair, though, then I think about the kind of, the career-driven—I mm. don't know, like Western world and like how yeah, fa- starting families kind of falls to the wayside. I don't. know. M- my point there is that like don't—I wouldn't just take like oh, more educated people don't want children because of the uh, because of the infancy. What, what's, the, what's the term? Sorry, infant uh, birth rates. Right, because, because of fertility rate, just because fertility rates drop, it's also because people have less kids. That doesn't that doesn't measure, yeah, that it's not doesn't measure, measure the Not design kids. Family.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's you're not looking at like the sort of. Binary variable of family: yes or no. You're looking, You're at, looking at number of children number of kids per and that that it's like a weighted average, I guess. So if you've got a family with like ten kids, that's bringing up the average more. Than, yeah,
0: and yeah. if you know that forty percent of your children will die, mm. it's very important you have one or two children particularly take care of you, uh, maybe more than it. Possibly, I, yeah. I was thinking about this too. It possibly
1: reflects a changing attitude towards children as well. So in the West, we find them annoying. <laughs> we respect them as autonomous beings as opposed to just resources like, I, mean, I, I, mean, I, I mean i appreciate that you're a human being and that's
0: why i don't thank your bottom
1: <laughs> i don't know if this is just an unfair characterization of like victorian kids from like dickens or i don't know just like history as everyone history. knows an
0: accurate portal into the past
1: yeah like but you know in, in victorian society it felt like kids were basically just like Labor resources, you know, mm. uh, whereas now, I mean, you
0: you look at kids as like now they're work, <laughs> they used to work, now they are work. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like pets,
1: animals, were, yeah, you know,
0: animals used to use labor, and now we lavish
1: them with sort of care, attention, yeah. and um, because life accounts. is meaningless
0: and we find some meaning in that mm. for babies. Um, but okay, we've talked about why people have kids. Actually, one thing though, Sorry, you said the right to, to marry and start a family, family, yeah. mm. right. Family doesn't necessarily mean having children, does it? Some people might consider their partner and their pet family. I think that's fair. And certainly, it definitely
1: includes adoption and like other... Yeah, it it doesn't mean having your own children. Nope. Okay, carry on. Okay, so I think that leads us quite neatly onto the question of What is antinatalism and why is it a movement? We've established some fairly clear reasons why people like to have kids, why Mm. it's a thing. Yes, (laughs) so
0: (laughs) antinatalism is when you're against the use of boats in military. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. Just kidding, just kidding. That's navalism. Um, Antinatalism, you you go on, mate, you go. Okay. Antinatalism is,
1: well, I think it's actually it's easily misunderstood. Strictly, it's the philosophy that additional births have a negative impact on society. And I guess the sort of argument underpinning that is that life is full of suffering and strife and misery. The moments of happiness and pleasure are few and transitory and elusive. And ultimately, it all ends in death. I think I've sort of paraphrased this guy called David
0: Benatar, who's one of the main philosophers behind. Jacob, can I just, can I call you up there? You said that it was bad for society. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that like some sort of specific definition that you found? Because I, like, I feel like the takeaway should be that it's bad for the child, right? Good question. But then you specified that, that, that life is difficult, et cetera, et cetera. It sounds like you're referring specifically to the child. So it's, it yeah. sounds like the argument there is it's unfair on the child to birth them.
1: So yeah, the Benatar quote definitely makes that point clear. The philosophy as defined, antinatalists are adherents of the belief that human beings are a destructive force to the earth and therefore it's morally wrong to create more of them which I guess you're right, it's it's kind of, that's two different things, they're, they're distinct.
0: Does it, that's weird that it says specifically to the Earth, like, what if we can set up life-sustaining colonies in space on other planets, et cetera, et
1: cetera? Um,
0: yeah, or I mean, the obvious the obvious point to the the antinatalism argument that you, you mentioned, like the logical extreme of there being no people, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, what if you run it to the point where population reaches a sustainable level, ignoring the fact that, that you know, it would create a huge economic issue if we suddenly had like a generation that was smaller. Mm. Than you. So it would be like big, small, big, and suddenly we'd have all these old people to support. That's but, a very um, good point, because you're right. If, if you're looking at it just on a sort of environmental
1: or social level, you'd think that sustainability is the kind of threshold, right? Like if, if it's not harmful to the earth, then it's okay to create more humans. Whereas if you look at Benatar's thing, he's like, no, you're screwing people by giving birth to them. They can't consent to being born. Yep. And therefore... That's a crucial
0: point. I people think, yeah, it's a key people don't consent. It, it's you giving someone something. So I think, I think a nice analogy that I literally just came up with would be like, it's a bit like gifting someone a billion dollars, right? Because I think the argument is that like, in a sense, it'd be, you know, say, say you're a hundred billionaire and you're like, I, I get happy by, by making other people rich and you're gifting money to other people, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, there's plenty of studies that show that, you know, when people receive large windfalls, it actually makes them unhappy. Um, you know, people who win the lottery tend to end up either equally happy or, or less happy when that windfall happens. So it it could be something like that, whereby like you think that you're giving them so much benefit that surely it is a positive thing, even if they can't consent to it. But the argument actually is that in practice, we see that's not the case. You know, if we can't, you know, in this circumstance of babies, you know, they can't rationalize it or consent to it until they're 18 plus. Um, And if we know that on average, they're actually suffering because of it, maybe we shouldn't be doing it. Um, I mean, it reminds
1: me so much. Uh, we'll probably have to stick this in the show notes or something. But there's that meme you once showed me of the little
0: cheetah, <laughs> <laughs> little cheetah, looking at the mother cheetah, like, "Why did you bring me into this world, mother? Just bring wood into a burning house. <laughs> <laughs> Look me in the eyes when I talk to you." <laughs> That's so good, such a cute little cheetah. So I think one fundamental thing that everyone—I say everyone, sorry—some people will immediately pick up on, and I feel like I'm—I'm I'm one of these people—is that. When I think about the sum of my life, mm-hmm. I do not feel that the sum of the positive parts is not enough to counteract the negative parts. I, I'd say I generally enjoy my life. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's distinct, though, because it's not saying, like, oh, my life is terrible. It, it, to, to have never had the life is also to not have the, the worry of, of doing that summation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, something kind of subtly different there he makes the point,
1: to be fair, he's like, this isn't the same thing as saying life is not worth living. So the fact that you don't think you should bring kids into the world is not to say that life isn't worth living. Because if you happen to be alive, it faces the problem you just described of like, you're, you're alive. And then actually, it, it, well, I mean, you're about to come to this, I imagine, but like, why don't
0: antinatalists just commit suicide? Yeah. And also, I mean, could you not, could you not make a twisted argument where it's like, oh, if- you know, the best thing you can do to reduce your footprint is to, is to end your life because then you stop consuming. Although then your body will rot and re- emit, ser- emit CO2. Um, you, you have to emit suicide in the freezer. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the obvious t- like follow-on then is like, if you feel this way, I feel like a kind of economical opportunity cost view would be like the same argument seems to justify just ending your life. Both Both the or oh, life is suffering point and the um what was the other one? and the climate change perspective right like mm-hmm. i think the point is that obviously we want to find solutions that are not so horrible that they kind of diminish what it is to live and a lot of people would agree that the the right and pleasure of having a family is one of the greatest joys in life mm-hmm. uh, that said my parents raised me they never say that
1: that's definitely
0: definitely you know some people win the lottery some people get me
1: (laughs) i think abuse is one of the you know it's one of the best expressions of love yeah
0: what to clarify my parents did not abuse me (laughs) (laughs) laughing abuse Uh, you know just just the emotional kind (laughs) anyway moving on so let's, let's think about that then I think there is a
1: distinction to be fair for what it's worth between to say that life is not worth living is different to saying it would have been better not to have been born in the first place. I wonder if it's kind of sunk cost, but you're basically saying like I'm here now and therefore you, you sort of strive to find meaning as opposed to, but you can still acknowledge I'd rather not have been here. Maybe it's like taking a bad holiday. I'd rather not have gone on holiday, but now that I'm here, I'm not gonna like
0: fly home, fly home immediately. (laughs) Ooh, terrible analogy maybe there's something in that anyway so, yeah i know that makes sense like the, the cost of ending it immediately is, is painful in the case of holiday it's or painful or scary in the case of the holiday it's like having to tell everyone booking the flight you know paying for it short notice and obviously you know in the kind of in the life metaphor it's it's not a metaphor it's a literal uh it, it's painful ending it because then yeah, you yeah. put this burden on someone hmm interesting yeah. Just a, a couple of notes there. I think so. So a lot of that, do you think that that is synonymous with saying life is meaningless to say that life is more suffering than pleasure? No, I don't think so. I think sure. there are different things. Is, is that, how is that related to antinatalism? Genuinely asking. I, I didn't read up on that specific element.
1: Uh, how are they related? Do antinatalists
0: so, believe that life is meaningless? Is that a, a, is that a substantial well, part of
1: it? No, not necessarily. I don't, because I don't, I don't think the conclusion of antinatalism is um, weird. It, it does sound quite nihilistic, right? It that sounds, sounds like, holistic. but I, I feel like it's the reason antinatalists aren't like all sort of forming suicide packs is that they, it, maybe it's a little bit like the absurdists, right? There's, there's meaning to be had in the suffering, but you sort of have this view that it would be better not to have suffered at all
0: yeah well i feel like the absurdists like absurdism would would take the point that like you can form your own meaning and so and so it's definitely a good thing to bring people into life and it would be more their fault i i yeah okay i'm, I'm not an expert in this we're, we're armchair philosophers yeah. um i i feel like their stance may be that it would be more your fault for not realizing or accepting the absurdity of life and finding your own meaning that's um, definitely meaning in that absurdity. Yeah, that's definitely the kind of Camus style yeah. thing, right?
1: So, just yeah, Camus, yeah. famous philosopher, existentialist, yeah. absurdist, as you say. Um, so it's not,
0: it's not, it's not the gods' fault for punishing Sisyphus. It's Sisyphus' fault for not finding meaning in what life he has,
1: which is uh, that sort of famous ending line of the myth of Sisyphus. So it's a book by Camus. For anyone who doesn't know, who he talks about the Greek myth, um, the myth of Sisyphus. Sisyphus is the guy who is condemned to roll a rock up a hill. And every time he got to the top, the rock would be—was uh, it made to roll? Out? I don't know. The rock rolls back down to the bottom. Yeah. He has to go back down the hill and roll it back up again. And it. yeah. yeah, it's just a metaphor for the absurdity of life. Because I think a lot of religions, in particular, and, and a lot of people want to believe that life has a kind of inherent purpose to mm-hmm. it. There's the sense that, like, you have a purpose that you're destined to fulfill, and yeah. actually, the like I think the sort of the underpinning struggle behind existentialism and, and the claim that Camus makes is that actually such inherent meaning doesn't exist. It's not given to you. You kind of have to go and strive for your own. And that's absurd. There's no objective meaning. Yes. but
0: But you can, you can inject life with your own meaning. And he has
1: this kind of wry line at the end of Sisyphus where he's like, he describes the moment where Sisyphus has got to the top and then the rock rolls back down and Sisyphus like turns and looks at the sunset or something or looks at the rock rolling down. He's like, one must imagine Sisyphus happy. He has like a wry smile in his face or something. It's just
0: like, you kind of embrace the ridiculousness. Yeah. And absurdism. Mm -hmm. Um, But so then saying... Do antinatalists think that there's no meaning to life? It feels like it has to be the logical conclusion because the, the logical conclusion of like the extreme antinatalists, much of the climate change antinatalists, is mm-hmm. that no one would exist anymore, right? I agree. and, and I
1: mean, meaning and, and pleasure, pain are, are different things, mm. I guess, they are different dimensions to life. Yeah. But I, I feel like you could, you could live a life of suffering, fill it with meaning, and therefore still deem it worth living. Do mm. you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I remember I had a very strange
0: feeling. I was reading i was reading oh, this
1: no. after the curry last night
0: yes no no right oh, in the in the bottom of my of my stomach um or <laughs> i remember <laughs> there was there was a i can't remember there was a joke i can't remember how the joke even goes but i just that just reminded me there was someone said at a restaurant i think my, my dad said as a joke at a restaurant and just it fell flat and no one liked it <laughs> I was like, how do you feel about your wife? And says, I love her from the bottom of my heart and the heart of my bottom. <laughs> 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 was that even me? Anyway. thought it, it was just a terrible translation? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm sure that he'll listen to this and remind me what the actual story is. Just that specific part. Anyway, um, we're talking about meaning. I, I was reading um, another, another name. For those who haven't listened to every episode yet, I'm a fan of Vonnegut. And also, mm. I didn't grow up in America. So I wasn't told to like him in in, uh, in <laughs> I high form school. Yeah, I formed my own opinion. <laughs> yeah. my own opinion. Like it's actually he's, he's very much unknown. I'd say, despite being a cult, you know, favorite. Like he's very much unknown in the UK. I'd say. Yeah, relatively. Yes, yeah. so. Well, I mean, like in the way that, like, if you say you know of mice and pen or something, it's like, yeah, well, you know, who, so who, who didn't read is. that at high school? Whereas here, like, it is very much. Like I, the average person in the UK doesn't know who he is. Cool. You've
1: justified uh, your taste in boning. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm justifying. I am not a basic a, a, the reading equivalent of a basic bitch. <laughs> sure, um, man, sure. Anyway, Sirens of Titan. Long story short, don't worry about the how, how or why. But a family ends up uh, on a distant moon, and it's the mother, the father, and the son. And it's funny because it did give me this distinct sense of, in that context, like what 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 is the point of the of the child, right? It really did feel that kind of. It, it kind of put into perspective, of like like it, it it diminished the argument that we're talking about down to the the, the logical extreme, which is the last people. Mm. And there was this kind of profound sense of like, what like what is the point? He he found ways to fill his life. He seemed happy, etc. You know, he's a made-up character, but um, <laughs> but it did give me a profound sense of like, geez, like there's just something so pointless about it when they existed by themselves and there was no possible way for him to be rescued or have children of his own or anything it really did bring the absurdity of his life because it was an absurd situation into
1: sharp contrast i'm glad you brought up because actually i I haven't read that and i didn't realize that was the case but i did have a note to bring up that thought experiment exactly that yeah yeah. would you would you have kids in that situation what would you do
0: i just kind of feel like yeah so so you and your partner are trapped on a moon right yeah Or, or like far off somewhere by yourself I feel like what's the point it does then at that point bring
1: home that argument of like condemning someone to a fate that's i may are we looking at that just purely through the lens of like you can live a fulfilling life with people around you and humans have that need for social interaction if that's yeah. if that's anything the last year
0: i mean you could flip it around and you could have the kind of adam and eve argument <laughs> it, but like you know if your job is repopulating um, <laughs> i mean if it was like Adam and Eve and Maria and Charlotte. <laughs> and, you know, but my point there being that like, you didn't need to have to commit like, direct incest, then maybe it'd be an awkward family dynamic, right? Also, what happens if it's like you, you keep going and you just keep having like, one gender? Mm, tricky. But, sorry, derailing it. My, my takeaway is actually if I was in that situation, right? Like let's say I was on the moon, right? I, I knew that it wasn't an Adam and Eve situation. Like we will fairly soon perish. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we don't have the resources or whatever. It would feel kind of pointless having a child. Does that, mm. does that then support not having children because of climate change? No, because I don't think climate change will end end the planet. I think that we'll be able to stop it.
1: That I think that's is actually key... no. I, well, I, I, I think that's the key element to it. Is like uh, so. One thing worth mentioning is antinatalism is not like a new thing. This isn't a movement that's just sprung up because people are concerned about climate change. The exact same thing happened over the Cold War. People were like oh my God, we're going to enter a nuclear holocaust. Is it wrong to bring children into this world of nuclear weapons and nuclear warfare? And I don't know, it presumably had roots before that. There have been crises before, but that was certainly... And
0: Schopenhauer was a proponent and he's way before the Cold War, right? Yeah, he's old. <laughs> he's old.
1: But um, that was certainly a famous recent example of when when this movement actually got some traction. There were people who made significant life decisions based around uh, that information. So um what's my point there uh why am i telling you
0: this honestly jake i wonder about that about most of the things that you tell me
1: (laughs) uh what did you just ask me it was relevant it was definitely relevant
0: wasn't that interesting to be honest
1: oh we're talking about climate change so we're saying (laughs) are we is Is that that what today's episode (laughs) is about no i i it's all come back to me now we were saying that how stringently you apply the antinatalist argument in the current context depends a little bit on how 100%. fatalistic you are about climate change is climate change the end of the world and i'm saying people thought that in the past and thankfully they were wrong because my god imagine if everyone stopped having babies in the cold war then uh mm. then manos and peppy wouldn't have got together and that was probably after the cold war
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably quite a while to be fair uh, 1994 year i was born also, yeah. the Year the Brilliant War fell down. So actually, they got together before it ended, technically.
1: 1989, 1989 mate. Huh? in 1989. Is
0: that true? Yeah. I thought actually.
1: I was to music. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You've been living a lie. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. What the hell?
0: Uh, oh, you know what? It's when it was finished. When they finished demolishing it.
1: <laughs> it says the same thing, is it? <laughs> no, no. It says, it says, it says,
0: weirdly, it says demolished 9th November 1989 to 1994. <laughs> okay. All right. How the hell did I get that fact? So wrong. <laughs> so they finished demolishing the Berlin Wall the same year I was born. And yeah.
1: Fair. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, it's a good thing that people didn't stop having kids in the Cold War. And I think I think you could probably make the same case quite strongly here. Okay. But I think that's probably a good time to wrap up antinatalism. We've done the thought experiment, uh, but just quickly on this point, do you buy it? Like, let's say the world was totally doomed. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you buy the argument that then? I don't even think we need to be that extreme. You know what? Thinking about it a bit, the argument that you need to be considerate of the suffering that you may impart on your child, I think is relevant. But I think for example, I don't think that life is suffering. I don't think the world is doomed. So I don't follow the antinatalism uh, general or via climate change arguments. But I do think that, for example, are you doing something wrong by having children beyond your means? Probably. Mm. Um, but I want to be careful because that's a slippery slope to then turning the right to have children into some sort of elitist aristocratic right. Uh, yeah. I want to be careful. Like, we really need to balance on the one hand making sure that that right is accessible, reasonably accessible to, to everyone. But on the other hand, like, should 16-year-olds who are heroin addicts be able to have 10 children? Uh, like, I, I mean, they're making it sound like they should be new to it. I'm not saying that. But like, <laughs> do, I think, do I think that they might be doing something inconsiderate or wrong by having children?
1: Yes. I think, that's,
0: yeah. I think that they, they are not being considerate of the suffering that that child might face because of their inability to adequately raise it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that's a horribly controversial
0: point of view. Yeah. So, so basically, if, you are, if you're in a position, uh, it could be financially, it could be you know, maybe you are just not in a position. I can't I think of another example. of them. Emotionally? But emotionally, yeah. Ma- I mean, maybe you have a, a history of serious mental illness. You don't uh, have the support networks. Maybe, maybe you have a serious genetic disease. Oh, yeah, that's so a... uh, Those are all good examples of maybe you are not properly considering um, the suffering that the child might have to bear um, and whether that child will be able to fairly live a life. And or conversely, whether you'll be pushing the responsibility to help that child have a reasonable life onto other people. That's, yeah, that's
1: actually, that's a fine example. That's like the HIV example, isn't it?
0: That's really true. Oh, well, as in like, should you be able to have a, well, now, now it's not a thing, but yes, when it was a thing. When it was a thing, yeah. Okay, fair. All right, so. Do um, you have an opinion or do you just agree? No, I agree
1: with you. I agree with you. that was easy Um, up next uh so we said there were two arguments let's just zoom out a second we said there were two arguments for why it would be wrong to have kids in the era of climate change and we've talked about it being wrong in terms of causing suffering to your children the second argument was that having kids actually contributes to the problem Mm. of climate change so is having kids harmful for the planet and is it therefore is that therefore a justification for not having children
0: I have a high-level answer, and I just don't think I'm going to change it much through discussion. Sure. Um, and this is kind of my answer to most climate change things. And and it kind of forms, I think it's fair to say, a philosophy running a startup that fights climate change. Um, we need to take radical action. That's true, right? But I think that there's kind of two things. One, you're not going to convince people to take... It, you, you need to think practically about the radical actions you will be able to convince people to take. And two, we need to actually balance Like the point of fighting climate change is to preserve you know, reasonable lives, right? If the, to if create the, a better world. Yeah. create a better world. If the way to do that is to enforce uh, things that are you know, going to make life significantly worse, then that actually doesn't quite stack up. And I, I get that some of that is like, oh, maybe the argument is people are underestimating the cost in the long term, which means that they are not accepting the necessary pains in the short term and actually in the long-term calculus won't add up. But I also think some of those arguments don't consider increasing interest over the coming years, increasing technology, particularly in terms of like carbon capture Yes, within kind of a small single digit number of decades, carbon capture should be a totally like affordable, reasonable technology. It still remains a little bit out of reach. We have mm-hmm. counterfactual offsetting like the stuff we do getting mm-hmm. people onto renewable energies rather than fossil fuels. Uh, and we also have, you know, technologies that are going to help for It's carbon capture in a sense, but it's not direct carbon capture to stop carbon release in like industrial settings and things like that. Yeah. My, my overarching point is what's the point if it's more painful than the thing we're trying to stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we have to, think about practical arguments that will actually get people to be on board with,
1: right? Hmm. Those are two quite distinct things. The second one is kind of the angry vegans in the 70s argument,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, for those who don't know, there's just a great outtake from um, Cowspiracy, uh, where, a, where, where uh, I think, uh, I can't remember what his context was, but someone was basically talking about vegans in the 70s, and he was saying the biggest mistake that they make, and I still feel this today, the biggest mistake that the vegan movement makes is presenting an absolutist perspective, right? right? And becoming quite an exclusive force. Yes, exactly. Because on the one hand, you know what? Like, you're probably right. But being practical, it is a better policy to encourage everyone to reduce their meat a bit. And, you know, and some people to go fully vegan if they're, if they're happy. Basically, it's better to, to, to think like what policy impact can I actually affect rather than, you know, Use uh, marketing strategies that, you know, guilt people eating any meat is murder, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and basically, the net result is that, yes, you get some people to 100% change their diet, but the number of people you're going to get to do that is going to be, you know, m- low single digits. Uh, and on top of that, you're actually probably going to alienate a lot of other people. Yeah, um, which is key, right? Yeah. Um, and, and also, the other thing is convenience. Like, you need to think about how do we make things like, What's easier, right? Giving people incentives to, for example, counteract having children, like the, the negative effects of having extra children or trying to enforce a ban on people doing one of the most natural things that comes to human beings, right? Okay. During the way you said natural, I don't yeah. know why. Oh, no, natural. <laughs> made, made, it, made it sound sexual, right? I mean, like, just think about, think about the Chinese one-child policy, right? It's just not really enforceable. And like, also think about it, for the, if, you're the, if you're born the second child, like, mm-hmm. that's not the child's fault. Like, what happens to that child? And then also some weird externalities happen as well, where like suddenly, like, the gender stuff was totally it was messed really up. Bad for girls, yeah. Uh, girls and anything, bad yeah. For gender equality. Like, it's, it, anyway. So that was my high level, and I don't think it's going to change. Go on, you. No, that's fair.
1: That's fair. I, I was going to say, I mean, the reason this
0: gets talked about
1: is there were some studies done, I forget when, but in the last decade. And the original studies produced some pretty stark and alarming data that, having kids could be the single biggest cause of emissions in your life. Uh, And I mean, like I've seen graphs and it's like, you can drive an electric car, sorry, driving a car, like eating meat, all this stuff. And it's like all ticking along. And then suddenly it's like having a child and it's like, boom, it's it's like massively, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the argument. And effectively, but but, I mean, there's some scientific criticism against that, right? And uh, you've kind of pointed to that fact. The main criticism is, They've basically kind of accounted for emissions at this point in time, assumed they'll stay constant, and then like basically spread that over a child's entire predicted life. Yeah. Which I think even the car and sort of stuff doesn't get that treatment. Technology is going to evolve, is the point. So, like, if you have a child in a completely green society where all the energy is green. Their footprint is ne- like negligible. It's, uh, it's the same reason, like, or they, could, they could even,
0: in a convoluted way, contribute to the GDP of a country that's investing in fighting it and has like a, a, sure. a surplus of carbon capture in decades to come. Because I know, for yeah. I mean, to, to, to be literal about what you're saying now, the UK is reducing its um, non green energy share every year, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not fair to extrapolate on a basis of it being straight or, or linear. I know that, for example, Mike Berners Lee talks about like, oh, if everyone reaches American levels of consumption, but, um, I don't know that that is the necessary end game that everyone will continue to consume. I yeah, I don't think that's the trajectory. Energy. And
1: America is actually quite unique. I mean, America and China, both, a lot of countries in the world either have smaller
0: populations or just different energy. Just remind me of something else as well. Yeah, okay. okay. And this is a kind of weird, indirect argument. Geopolitical factors, right? So I listened to a great podcast. Um, I think it was Matt Iglesias uh, on Rationally Speaking. Um, on the argument for a billion Americans, right? Not Americans don't care about uh, American (laughs) uh, geopolitical supremacy, but one thing to consider is, okay, the countries who overwhelmingly care about this are developed Western nations, and geopolitically, they're becoming less and less important over time. Um, Partially, uh, like a large part of the reason that China is going to be more powerful than the US is just pure numbers of people, right? Sure. Maybe the the situation in China and and India and stuff will, will change over time, so maybe it's unfair you know, maybe it's, it's more a factor of development uh, of being, you know, a full developed country that your your perspective on these factors changes. But when you look at like the authoritarian position that China has at the moment, and the like, and their kind of position as by far the largest emitter in the world, uh, and also probably the most, I want to say most greenwashy loose. Is that fair to say? I don't know if that's. Oh uh, God, please don't chase me down, Chinese government. Uh, but <laughs> my point is, could you see a geopolitical argument where we need to be bolstering? Uh, for the UK okay, or yeah. well, you know the Western democratic societies. I mean, to clarify for anyone who didn't get from that, I'm uh, I'm an international relations realist, and I'm a little bit concerned about the relative rise of authoritarian powers that literally have concentration camps and are the biggest by far. Uh, th- those are two facts. Uh, you know, the Uyghurs, the Uyghurs in China, and concentration camps, and China is by far the largest emissions creator. Could there be an argument that actually the fact that we're having this conversation primarily in the West is actually just going to further destabilize that geopolitical position and lead to worse outcomes? I see. You're you're taking a totally,
1: yeah, you're you're taking a totally different sort of view of the consequences. (laughs) And you're saying
0: like, actually, there's a completely different negative outcome. Or that maybe we're not going to be able to impact it if we become too relatively weak and they just decide to keep doing it.
1: Uh, let me make one other one other sort of criticism of the argument then, which is uh, you, you've kind of got from this already, but children are more than just emitters of carbon, right? You're right, they also emit poop. <laughs> they do that too, but they also emit they emit joy and meaning and hope. That was a bit cutesy. Um, For those who don't know, Jake's secretly cutesy. <laughs> Take my point that. <laughs> stop it stop interrupting me (laughs) um the point is when you're bringing a child into the world you're not just bringing in like a new source of emissions you're also bringing in something that will motivate you to keep pushing for the changes the world desperately needs in fact future climate scientist a potential future climate scientist and I, i think actually what drives a lot of people to care about climate change especially older generations they're not too worried about being around to see the effects but they do worry for the sake of their kids and their grandkids. And they're like, actually, you know, this is a reason to to give a crap about climate change is because uh, there is that
0: sort of future outcome. So the greatest cause is also the greatest motivator. Yeah. Interesting. Um, So there you go. I can buy that. Um, Yeah, I think the fundamental point that I stand by, though, is that it just the point of fighting climate change is to preserve a good life. And if sacrificing the things that make a good life is is how to achieve that and i i mean my my compromise is my compromise is that we should probably have reasonable policies that for example you should have to make a a super normal tax contribution that goes directly to some sort of climate fighting situation or you know Again, that we want to be careful because that becomes like an elitist aristocracy. But you know, maybe maybe the government, maybe
1: trade class things, permits for children.
0: Maybe maybe the government has to be funding that, like because the government has the incentive to increase population to you know and grow GDP and and and, and improve their geopolitical uh, stature. Maybe the government should be funding that for every additional child that people have.
1: Mm. When you say additional child, are you imagining like a sort of? Putting a number on it, like
0: a two child policy, for example. Yeah, I mean, a a situation where I, I don't know the specific number, but like a situation where people have like some number of children that they can have without. Issue a
1: two-child policy has a certain logical appeal to it, right? Because that would be the number that just sustains a population. And you also presume uh, actually, I think
0: the replacement rates like just over two.
1: It would be because, uh to be fair, death and people who don't have kids. If you had a two-child policy, you'd actually see relative population decline. Yeah, I think about two point one is there again on aggregate. That would be kind of mm. beneficial, not just from climate change point of view, but like food and other resources. Yeah, yeah. it's obviously also not what's happening. The world is tending towards overpopulation, and so therefore
0: it would be a step to reduce yeah. that. Yeah. So again, maybe we're biased because of our position and, and the kind of research we've done it, but I feel like it's legitimate to be worried about it. I don't think you have a, a duty to not have children. I think you probably do have a duty to, for example, um, try and reduce your footprint. Well, you have that duty anyway. It doesn't matter whether you have a child or not. But yeah. you, you, you have a, that duty is even more stark if you are increasing your emissions in some way. Um, and you also have a duty, I would say, and I would not be I would not be surprised if within decades it's it's actually like a kind of tax people have to pay, uh, like the same way that you do on um cars that are more emitting. I think that you could consider, for example, taking direct positive action to counteract that impact if you are particularly worried. In fact, not even if you're particularly worried. if you're not particularly worried, you should be.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, from my point of view, I don't really buy either argument, I think, in the first case. I'm too much of an optimist to subscribe to antinatalism. I think it's life is good. Like, life is It's dead. melodramatic to say that life is riddled with suffering, and therefore you shouldn't bring kids into it. And I think, as well, uh, two reasons. I mean, one, I don't think I, I think enough is being worked on with climate change, and you need kids to have the potential to continue to fight it. Mm-hmm. Thus, like it's mm-hmm. not a total doomsday. Like I, I don't think you're condemning kids to an inevitably terrible fate mm-hmm. by having them in this day and age in spite of like, you know, obviously climate change still, there's a lot of work to do. Um, But also, yeah, I think, I think it's the reason we just discussed. I think if you don't have kids, the logical extension of that is that you, you know, either sort of climate change wins by destroying the world or <laughs> you it doesn't need to win because you <laughs> you destroy the world by removing no. humans from it. Um, <laughs> but, but I think, I think, yeah, I think there's, there's reasons to be skeptical on both points. However, it kind of feels like in order to stop our enemy killing us, we will kill ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it does rather, um, I think. My takeaway would be if we're going to be sort of practical about it. If you're in the kind of position where you are, you you know, obviously we haven't really talked about adoption, but there's lots of kids who don't have oh, sort of, of uh, yeah yeah yeah. There's lots of kids who grow up without like sort of happy family environments who need homes. And I guess if you're in the kind of position where you choose to adopt rather than have kids, that's uh, an extremely noble thing to do, especially if climate change is your is your sort of motive there. Um, also for eliminating suffering in the world. Massively so. So uh, huge respect to anyone who who makes that decision. I think I, I I can see an argument for having a sort of kids policy exactly like you discussed in mm. terms of like limiting
0: overpopulation.
1: But I think you're right that it needs global.
0: Yeah. There was also there. a thing where they discussed, I think in the UK, a policy where like the tax on flights becomes incrementally more expensive. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the way you do it with children. It just becomes incrementally more expensive to have children. And you know what? Is having 10 kids like, something that is ruled out specifically to the aristocratic elite? I think I can live with that. Like, I, don't think, I don't think the right to have 10 children you know, in a developed country is, is so fundamental that like, we're doing a great disservice to other people by saying, like, you can't afford it, you can't have 10 kids. Although I guess the difficulty with children is what happens if people have them anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah well, what a place to end it because we're running out of uh, time on our trial. Jake, anything to add today? We
1: are. No, I think that's a great place to end. Yeah, good to be back, everybody. Um, good to be back. Final bits of housekeeping is... Uh, Please leave, leave us a review. Yeah, uh, sorry. Leave us a review. We have a newsletter. Please subscribe to that if you want to stay up to date with updates
0: yeah. uh, and memes and other stuff that we'll send but, you. But the review is more important. Yeah. Seriously, it actually helps us. People, people like actually think we're a big deal when you do it they're like whoa people are yeah. these guys wow lots of reviews but no if you uh, actually enjoy it if if you don't think we're total shit then do do it please it would be very helpful also nice. check
1: out, i'll take clothing it's pretty good yeah uh check out Stasher. check out tree points tree points especially if you're interested in climate change oh, yeah, should um, <laughs> check, check out. out the blog there's there's a ton of really interesting content on there we're not pushing you to go uh-huh. subscribe or anything but look out for us uh we're, we're working with many more businesses now you'll see tree points pop up at the checkout as uh as a, as an option to either plant trees offset carbon or, or recycle plastic uh more things more things to come there i think that's it yeah stay tuned subscribe if you like it and we'll uh, hopefully it won't be too long before we do another episode any ideas what we might do next time or no promises at this point bye bye no promises at this point then <laughs> see you later everybody bye